my biggest thrill, and that was working on Star Trek The Motion Picture. Um, You worked on Star Trek The Motion Picture? Yeah, I did Leonard Nimoy's ears. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Join us today on a journey of the whimsical and fantastic. Next up, the RC Roundtable. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> hey, welcome to, uh, I guess, kind of a very special episode of the RC Roundtable. What episode all is this? special episode. 159? 159. 159. Okay. See, this is more special because it's the one before 160. So that um. makes it special in some way. Does 160 For, have a reference in anything? Any I don't know, because we, we use base 10 mathematics. Maybe that helps. Okay. Uh, anyways, that gentleman with the questions about sci-fi is Lee Ray. It's me. And Terry Dunn. Howdy. And we have a very special guest, the amazing Steve Neal. Hey. Hey, Steve. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, but uh, it, was, it was just wonderful that uh, you can take out some time to join us. Uh, I have to say that, Steve, uh, you actually came up on my radar in the past a couple of times, but they were not related to RC airplanes. Uh, I, th- I can't remember which one was first. I think the first one was, um, I am an avid plastic modeler. And I think on a forum, there's some guy that had built, scratch built, like, was it, eight foot or 10 foot long USS Enterprise from the original Star Trek? Six. Series? Six feet long. Yeah. I know it was big and scratch built. Biggish. And yeah, I'm a very big Star Trek fan. And I saw that and I was just absolutely amazed. And it was by some guy named Steve Neal, who I had never heard of <laughs> <laughs> at the time. This was, I don't get out much. And, and then. <laughs> Another another thing I do is I like to play with RC submarines, and I came across a guy who came up with a book that says RC submarines for dummies or dumbasses. Dumbasses, yes, yes. <laughs> and it was a Steve Neal's. Like, wait a minute, I know that name. And if I'm not correct, did you do a conversion of the Lindbergh Japanese submarine, or is it somebody uh... else? I'm thinking? That'd be somebody else. Okay, that wasn't. I you. wanted. I wanted to, but you know, after I built so many subs, I was starting to like, uh, you know, okay, enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, mission creep, and it they're wasn't mis- until they're miserable. <laughs> yes, and, and of course, the third time is when I realized I found your name again, and I saw that you did RC airplanes. I was like, wow, this guy really gets around. That's funny. It's funny that I was able to really see everything else but the RC airplanes and finally realize that you're an avid AMA member. I think maybe it was on one of your videos or something. No, it uh, was in, it was in uh, two two issues back of AMA magazine. They, uh, Jay Smith contacted me because he was watching uh, behind the scenes or uh, extra added features for a movie called Fright Night. Some of you might have heard of it, and I, I did a lot of work on that. And I was interviewed uh, on that for uh, special features. And in the background, he saw an AMA uh, sticker on one of my tables. And and he went and checked. And sure enough, he found I'd been a member since 1985. And that's how all that happened. Wow. Yeah, Jay's a big uh, fan of horror movies. I've had some yeah, conversations with him. Yeah. And Doctor Who. 
yeah. Oh yeah. If you want to get them started, start talking about Doctor Who. Well, I was just thinking if we had just had Fitz, Jay, and Steve talking, the episode would have been like a series. <laughs> over over weeks and months because you guys I don't think my just... hard drive is big enough. Well, I much prefer to talk about aviation, but that's okay. Well, you know. well, speaking of talking, Steve, can you just tell yeah. us a bit about yourself? I mean, at one point, we'd like to know about uh, how you got started in RC modeling and and so forth. But you know, please be feel free to tell us other things about what you do and uh, yeah. who you are. Well. As, as far as RC modeling is concerned, you can tell how much I love Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> uh, I used to spend summers with my grandmother in Marin County in a town called Santa Venetia. There was this huge open field, which has now been paved paradise, put up a parking lot. But at that time, it was this huge open field. And I was out there hiking one day, and I always loved um, anything that flew. Jets, planes, everything, rockets. I, I would always, that was like my main thing. Um, and there was a guy out there and he had this big giant box on the ground with a big antenna sticking out of it. And I looked up because I could hear this plane and it was a radio controlled plane. And he had the big long cable hooked to the box and the, the non gimbal box in his hand flipping switches. And I remembered that in, in amazing detail and watched him land and nose over. And, and I said, man, one day I got to do that. And uh, that, that's, that always stuck with me, but flash forward. Um, Oh, geez, where do I, where do I begin? I always, you know, I love Star Trek and all that stuff. And 2001 Space Odyssey was my favorite movie in the whole world. That got me interested in doing filmmaking and working, uh, you know, in the industry. When I got out of high school, I met Francis Ford Coppola, ended up uh, as an intern at the American Zoetrope in San Francisco. Uh, wow. It's somewhere in there when I was going to college at the same time, I decided I wanted to do prosthetic makeup effects because my dad was an artist. Everybody in my family was an artist and everybody had the ability to draw and sculpt and, and do amazing things. Um, so I decided I wanted to see how I could make Spock's ears and recreate Planet of the Apes without going into a lot of detail. I did that. I accomplished it. I did it rather well. And after the, Everyone kind of closed down the American Zoetrope, and Francis and Lucas and everybody came to L.A., so did I, um, at the encouragement of friends of mine from a science fiction convention. I came down and met some of the great uh, people down here, like John Chambers, uh, who did the makeups for the Planet of the Apes, and some other notable people. Rick Baker, who at the time was not famous, but had done a couple of movies, and I knew about him from the magazines. We got to be friends, and slowly but surely... I ended up working in the industry and I worked first thing I ever worked on was a Planet Apes TV series. And then uh, later on, I did some uh, mid budget and upper budget movies. And that eventually led to my biggest thrill. And that was working on Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, oh, you worked on Star Trek, the motion picture. Yeah, I did Leonard Nimoy's ears and I did the oh. uh, Billy Zane uh, alien on the bridge and, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and that was always really one of my favorite moments because I had met Gene Roddenberry at uh, the conventions. I used to go there with my prosthetic ears and my uh, do uh, demonstrations, how you make people up as Planet of the Apes, put the ears on and stuff. And so I met Gene and Mangel and they were very nice to me and we got to be very friendly. And so when uh, Star Trek, the motion picture came up, the makeup artist who was both the makeup artist for the Outer Limits TV show and the original Star Trek series was also a friend that I got to know. And I loved Fred Phillips and he asked me to work on it. And 
the first thing he gave me to do was a pair of Spock's ears from the original series. And he put them down and said, can you recreate these exactly? And I said, oh, my God, yeah. You know, so that was a big thrill for me. I've never gotten over. Uh, I don't think I ever will. I worked on Star Trek other times. I, I worked a whole bunch on all kinds of films. I was making a lot of creatures and stuff for movies. And we had to work with radio control uh, units instead of cables as time moved on. And I used to go to a place called Robin's Hobby. Robin Hambly would later become my teacher. Uh, he, he was in World War II. He he worked on Apollo. He uh, was a gunner on a B-17. And he taught me uh, to fly. He owned his hobby shop. And I kept seeing the model airplanes. I said, you know, I've always wanted to do that. And then one year, my uh, late wife bought me a Goldberg Eaglet and, uh, mm. and all the trimmings and the radio and everything to go with it because she knew I loved it. And I built that thing so fast, went right out, took my first lessons. And the minute I soloed, I crashed it. And, you know, uh, <laughs> but I fixed it and I went back and I did fine with that. And then immediately I leaped to a P-51 and I crashed that. I fixed it and I crashed it and I fixed it and I crashed it. And my instructor said, well, you know, really you need to stick one airplane. So everyone wants to jump on a Mustang. It's not a good idea, but I never listened to him. So I went to a J-3 Cub. Clip wing with hazel six markings on it, and we all know what ground loopers those are. And uh, but I never crashed it. I mean, it always, I always got it in the air, just in the nick of time as it went across the runway instead of down. It. <laughs> you know, uh, today I don't have those issues. Uh, you know, but uh, you know that's kind of the short story of, of my career. I made movies in high school, and uh, you know, I've written a few films, and I got a couple of them produced and um you know but mostly i did you know um, creature work and prosthetic makeup and props i did a lot of acting as monsters in movies like ghostbusters i was uh several different things in that and um but you never see me because i'm the creature so but always model airplanes or aviation flying period in, in rocketry was my first love it was always the thing i couldn't wait to get home for the weekend to do interesting did, uh from as a star trek uh branch did you ever did you ever meet matt jeffries no i never did i met gene plenty and uh robert wise and majel and hmm. nimoy and shatner was you know i mean as much as i've heard people saying favorable things about him during that era he was uh very very kind to me and i never had a problem with him so hmm. Okay, because I know Matt had a had an aircraft background. So oh yeah, well they both did. I mean, did you know about Gene Roddenberry's background? Yeah, he was a pilot, and I think he was involved. Go ahead. Yeah, it was like over a hundred missions in, yeah. in in Germany in B seventeens. But then when he came back to the states, he was uh, an airline pilot on DC threes, I think, for a while, and uh, he had an engine out or something go wrong. He had a ditch in the ocean, and he basically risked his life to save everybody on board and did and never talked about it um yeah i know. heard about that story yeah yeah he, he was an amazing guy i i really really liked him he was personable uh he was a good listener um he was always very friendly and very bigger than life and uh yeah i really enjoyed him a great deal i was very fortunate to to work with him Wow, that's great! I had no idea. That's oh man, I could talk to you for hours about that. <laughs> but yeah. Our, yeah. Uh, 
Well, there um, were others. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess this were an R, were an RC model thing. I, I just I had kind of a curious: was there a lot that you could take from your creature building and Hollywood experience and apply that to RC models? Uh, I guess so. But you know, I mean, the thing is, is when I tried to 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 make the airplane do the things the monsters did, they usually ended up in the runway. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I really had to start from ground zero and and. I had two instructors. I had Robin Hamley, he's, he passed away a few years ago, and a guy named George Lane. And as I recall, he was a P-40 pilot during the war. Uh, and one other gentleman named Ken Boucher, and we used to call him Kite Ken. And he was also a World War II veteran. He used to load magazines on P-51s. Uh, and he loved aviation. And he was very good at gliders. He taught me how to fly gliders because I was having a rough time with RC for some reason. And so I got very proficient at gliders. And when I went back to uh, RC uh, uh, propeller powered aircraft, uh, every, all my problems vanished and I was landing hmm. and taking off beautifully. And it wasn't long, wouldn't be much longer later that I discovered the gas powered ducted fan monsters and <laughs> had a Byron F-16, which I loved, and uh, some F-86s, and, and I was jet crazy for a while. Yeah, it's interesting to say gliders, because uh, I taught myself to fly on gliders, and uh, Lee's a big glider guy as well. I uh, love him. Yeah, it's a real nice, relaxing, uh, really kind of salt-of-the-earth type flying. Yeah, I, I built recently a 93-inch span um Sinbad and I gave it a cockpit and gauges and I mean this is a plane that was free flight from the from the uh from the 40s uh and it's pretty famous you know with people who know their history about uh model aircraft and this is I never can get to the slope so recently I put a big e-flight motor in it and stuff I hand launch the thing and fly it at her field it's just this big old fashioned glider it's just so cool I have something yeah. like a little bit like that in a it's a um, vintage called a leprechaun. Oh yeah! Oh, I know leprechaun. I, yeah, a big one. It's hundred and something. You have to find one I don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> would you would you call it? It flies like a lazy elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so does the Sinbad. It's graceful. I I just um for I have a magazine review I'm going to be doing for Bottle Aviation for a uh, what is it called a Minamoa. Oh, yeah. I love the Mini Moa. I've got yeah. a small one I built from uh, Vitted Air Aircraft in uh, the UK. Uh, this one, at least imported by the Hobby Club people. I think they're also in California somewhere. Huh. Uh, it's a 110-inch span, if I remember correctly. That's about right. Uh, it looks really neat. Real, it's a gull wing. It's very distinctive oh, looking. Oh, I know. They're beautiful. Yeah, I look forward and, to and flying they, it. They fly very well. Does it? Oh, oh, good, good. Well, you can fly better than we can. So, it's, uh, <laughs> so, so do you have? You mentioned a whole gambit of different types of aircraft. Do you have a preferred aircraft, like your go-to type of aircraft when you go out flying? You know, you know, in, in my inventory right now, I've got three jets. I got a lot of prop planes, and and you know, I hadn't flown Mustangs for a while, and that was like they used to call me down at the field in the eighties, Mustang Steve, because I had a. <laughs> I had a quarter scale Mustang, I had a, a six, a fifth scale Mustang, and I think the, I think the Royal kit was a six scale. I can't remember, 
which had all the gauges in it and the canopy open and all that stuff. And, and then I just, you know, all I had was this little tiny Hobby King one I would fly around that was very scale looking. I really liked it. So I, <laughs> so I got a June Knight. Everybody knows the June Knight. I mean, that's the E-Flight uh, smaller one because of my limited space I was flying in, which has now changed. Um, and, and I, you know, I really forgot what a nice airplane that is to fly as a model. As a full-size plane, well, you know, it's a big hunk of metal. But, but as a model, it it it, it really uh, it doesn't have any bad habits. I find it very easy to control going down the runway. Um, but I, I tend to, when I fly, uh, I use my full-size training when I'm – and it's really improving my, my ability to fly tail draggers even after all these years – uh, the way I bring the throttle up slowly, I keep the tail wheel down, I pick up some airspeed, I get on the step, I start laying in on the rudder, nice and easy. Uh, I'm not one of these guys that hits the throttle, slam, bam, goes off quicker to the runway and gets air in the air at the right time. Most of the people I fly with, that's kind of how they do things. But, uh, you know, I don't know what that's all about. But so I really enjoy that plane. But the other one that's very underrated, I think, is the E-Flight Cherokee. Now, I wish it was a Warrior, because I like the Warrior better, because the tapered wing, but you know what? That plane is amazing. It's terribly overpowered, like all the planes. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's just like, you keep waiting for the wings to come off it at full throttle. It's just ridiculous, you know? But uh, <laughs> I like the Fowler flaps, you know, and the fact today now we can program the flaps so they come down like the real thing. They don't just go, zzz, 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 yeah, you, know, you can the slow them down. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And so I got all the telemetry going and stuff. And I really enjoy that plane because it really is a nice civilian aircraft. It has all the scale details and lights. I just wish it wasn't foam. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, the Mustang I'm building now, uh, the big one, that's all balsa. And so I'm mm. looking forward to uh, yeah, I understand. A, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, the other one in building is the Lascombe. So that's, that's it. Is that a kit or scratch built? Or? It's a Brodak. It's oh, a Brodak okay. kit. Yeah. And what's really weird about it is it, it says in the ad that it's four channel and aileron. So I get the kit. It doesn't have ailerons. It's got all this dark, ugly dihedral in it and stuff. And I, and I was just too lazy to send it back. So I fixed it. Was it like an old free flight or something? No, it it, it it's well, it's a Pat Triddle kit, but uh, some, somehow, uh. some way, they sent me a version of the kit I didn't even know existed. I think it was a mistake. I need to write to them because I don't want to say, "Hey, you know, you guys, people make mistakes," you know. And but I just, you know, I took the challenge. I said, "Well, I can flatten the dihedral and I can add ailerons. It's not a mm. problem." And you know, so that's what I did. And uh, I, I'm about to cover it, and so it's been a nice build, and it's a nice plane. Uh, just, I, just don't I drop a ladder on it. Well, no, I mean, you know, I put lights oh, in and stuff. Man. Well, it, it, <laughs> it, it, you have to go there, Fitz. It's an inside joke, to, uh, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've had ladders fall on my planes, and uh, yay! Yeah. <laughs> Nothing personal. It's just that I've had a ladder fall on a Pat Triddle plane. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was all me. The ladders are undefeated. Well, they're basically ups. they're basically stick and tissue, aren't they? I mean, the oh style building, which I love because I do free fly as well. But it's like, you know, just the idea of having a big stick and tissue that's got fantastic wing loading, and you can power it 
so easily and put a battery in it to last you, you know, a half hour or so, you know, instead of some big heavy piece of foam that you have to keep moving. So, yeah, it's amazing. It's actually sitting next to me. It's a Pilatus Porter. It's his original. Uh, oh, the it's a prototype. And um, I, I got it from an estate and I, I was trying to take care of it. And I thought it would be really neat and an stupid, <laughs> stupid ladder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm looking, you know, it's uh, I'm looking at your Facebook page. And, and thankfully, I, I want to let our listeners know that Steve's kindly made most of his posts public. So if you go look up Steve Neal on Facebook, you can see these amazing, I'm going to just say projects. You are just doing a plethora of things. I don't know how you do it. You must have a caffeine machine like plugged into your arm. Well, you know, I, 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 I exercise every morning. I get five, uh, you know, I exercise, uh, lift weights every other day with Mary and, uh, we eat very, very healthy and we take care of ourselves, but, uh, we have a real passion for so many things that keeps us busy. Most of the people um, in my age group, with the exception of probably Doug Drexler and a few others, um, we're all fine, whereas the rest of them are not so fine. And so having a passion for something, having a purpose when you wake up in the morning, uh, it keeps you living longer. And that's why I I so much support hobbies like um, our hobby, because uh, I've had so many people i've seen so many families complain the minute that their 97 to 103 year old grandfather or father dies they can't wait to get rid of his airplanes and a lot of fortunately end up in the trash they don't even realize the value they've never liked the hobby and they felt that he spent that the person spent too much time with it and stuff but they never stopped to think for a moment that the reason that they're 97 to 103 year old family member live that long because of their passion for that hobby it's what got them up in the morning it's what kept them active and kept them healthy and kept them alive well that's profound i never really thought about it that way but it does work that way and that's a film that uh, a script i'm writing right now called forever flight which is about that subject matter and this is not a documentary this is a uh, an actual film a story uh that i hope people see and realize and say exactly what you said i never thought of it that way before so wow is that something you can tell us about, a little bit about? The film? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, the film I'm doing right now is called A Conversation with My Father, and it's got a Twilight Zone twist at the end. I really don't want to give away the ending, but uh, there are some elements of the hobby and uh, animosity and stuff. But um, the, the, the film I'm doing after that is called Forever Flight. And, um, and there's really no ending to give away on that one, except that the ending is an older guy who goes and lets go of one of his free flight planes for the last time, watches it flying around, getting caught in the thermal with this, this beautiful sun coming through the tree and all his friends there. And he sits back in his chair to watch it happen. And, and he, he dies right then and there, but he dies like he falls asleep and just passes away. And he was like a hundred years old. Um, very serene. Yeah, but I mean, I'm flying with a guy right now up at our field. I fly with the Camarillo Flying Circus. We have a nice big runway, all paved, real pavement, taxiways. It's a great club. We're we're private. You have to be a member. You have to pay money every year. You got to have the accommodation to the fence, uh, the gate. But he comes up there every Sunday. He's 97. He's been a pilot all his life. And, of course, they won't let him fly anymore. So he loves RC. 
And he just gets, he drives up there just like we do, gets out of his car, pulls out a nice big airplane or two, puts on a great flight, then hangs out with us. And, you know, he's that way because of that. Uh, I'll cite also, I maybe some of you know of the name Colonel Thacker. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, there's another one. I mean, he, he lived to be 102. And my friend Lowell Wexler, who's close with him, and I knew the Colonel too, but not like Lowell. You know, it's like two weeks before he passed away, he's calling up Lowell asking me about this turbine he wants to build. Right. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, what wasn't he the person who flew the F-82 from Hawaii to, did he go all the way to New York? I think so. He did a lot of yeah. amazing things. And yeah, he did yeah. long distance. Yeah. No, but he, he was great. And he would show up at the Sepulveda Basin, you know, next next to Van Nuys Airport, the very famous Apollo Field, uh, for our jet events. And he's just, he'd pull up and he's this thin little guy, but little, he's this thin guy. And he'd get out and stomp in like a, like a, like a, a stovepipe leg, just pop, 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 pop. And he'd say, hey, Steve, you're going to stare at it all day. You're going to fly it. You know, you had this real, <laughs> really incredible energy. He'd go out there and fly his stuff. And, and we all had a great time with him. Lots of great laughs. And, uh, he reminded me a little bit of Jaeger because I spent some time with Jaeger, and Jaeger was like that too. I mean, it's sort of unstoppable. Right. You know? Wow. So, um, did you ever see the, there was a RC model documentary on Amazon called RC Prop Busters. Uh, and we actually had a director on some a couple of years ago or so, Mark Thompson. And it was also a bit of a homage to model airplane flying. It was, it was pretty neat. No, I, I didn't see it. I'd like to, but I didn't see it. Oh, yeah, you can look it up. But uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, whenever that the movie comes out, we'd love to know about it. Send us a note or something. We, we'll give you some uh, exposure and pass the link. Yeah, yeah well, it's going to be free to the public. I make my films for free. I spend my own money like a... <laughs> I can't get anybody to finance my films anymore. So, you know, it's like I'm too old. It's like, whatever, this old guy wants to make a movie. I just make my own. <laughs> I got all my own equipment. I got a whole studio. I've got, you know, editorial, everything. So and it's That's not true, being yeah. used for much. So uh, I've been doing like a film a year. So, uh, but, but th these two films I'm doing now are, well, the last one, not the last one, the, the one I'm doing after the one I just spoke of, Forever Flight, is a sci fi. Uh, short so but i enter oh, them in the film i enter them in the film festivals hmm. and um and some of them done quite well um i talked to uh uh academy of model aeronautics about you know uh, when i was interviewed with them about doing i said you guys we really need a documentary and not one of these a to b to c d interview type things but a real film something that really captivates an audience and takes people who have never thought about our hobby or the aviation in general before to help them realize what an important thing it is. These aren't just little toys. If it wasn't for these little toys, your butt wouldn't be sitting in a 777 going to New York. End of story. You would not be on a PC. You would. You owe so much to aviation and, you, and most of it always starts with models. Well, I don't care if it's Neil Armstrong or, you know, Von Braun. Oh, yeah. It, it all yeah. began with models and that gleam in that child's eye about getting up there in the sky and going to the stars. And that has driven our, our world. And they just don't think about it. So I want to make them think about it. Oh, yep. yes. It's the gateway drug for sure. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is kind of important to me um, that before I leave this planet, go somewhere else, wherever that may be, hopefully a field in the sky with all my buddies, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to pay it forward. I want to leave something behind. I, I want people to realize, you know, how important this, this hobby is, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm involved in model rocketry, too. I'm a member of the National Association of Rocketry. We fought for three years um, to get a field to launch at, and California wouldn't let us do it. Four hours out to the desert or nothing. And it's like, okay, I wouldn't accept no for an answer. I found a private landowner. Now we're able to fly legally, uh, be able to get a waiver from the FAA uh, for higher flights. And that means that all the STEM students, TARC students, ROTC students, and Civil Air Patrol, which I'm now part of, they all have a place now they can fly without having spent a lot of money and time driving four hours out to the desert and four hours back to fly a rocket that may fail. Yeah. Uh, You'll be able to go back out, you know, every every so often and fly again. So we're going to have launches twice a month. And this is a big deal to us because we finally can help uh, the community. Uh, with this effort. Yeah, I'd like to chime in there because you touched on another thing. We talked about sailplanes. That made me smile, but I've been looking at your rockets and uh, that's another thing that I got to do. My brother and I were very active in model rocketry. I always entertain my friends that uh, we got to launch rockets next to a Saturn V. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so we got, we got, we got to the freedom to do that, you know, with other rockets, but I'm looking at a picture you posted on August 9th and it makes my heart just swell because I had one from the sixties and you have the super orbital transport that yes. you're building. Well, they and released I, it. That's correct. But I had an original right as a kid. So that, wow. that touches me, man. And that's, that's really cool. And plus I also really admire these X 15s you have. Oh, okay. Yeah. They fly very well. The one flies on a G engine and, and you know, I haven't Whoa. flown it yet. I made it too pretty. So I'm trying to get the nerve up for that. Um, yeah, it, you know, I mean, and if you know, rockets and airplanes are real similar. You, you have to build them and you have to fly them. And uh, I've always loved both, but uh, not having a field was really a problem. And you know, I did go out to the desert a few times. I got my level one certification with a rather large rocket. But I really enjoy being with the kids and and just watching the the joy they get out of it. And I know that a lot of these kids. Because ones that I've known in the past uh, and helped went on to have amazing careers in aviation. Yeah, we, we've talked about that before in the show, too, is how, how many people, uh, and especially us, two of these are, you know, Lee, Terry, and I, you know, my airplanes have really led us to careers in engineering and science and such. Yeah, it's a gateway. Yeah. It's a gateway yeah. drug. <laughs> and I will tell you, I participate uh, with several Boy Scout troops and Cub Scout troops for Model Rocket Day. And Excellent. I do it for my troop. Uh, but rockets are, I haven't done it recently, uh, but it's never going to be out of my life. I've still got tons of kits, lots of engines. Uh, so it, it's it's a passion for me, and I hope my kids take it over as well in the future. But I have to ask this crossover question. Have you, with all your creative designs and so forth, have you put both together do you have an rc aircraft rocket aircraft no i i I did build an x1 uh was one of the first scratch builds i did back in the 80s it was powered by a kmb 61 in the nose 
uh, it flew very successfully. It was it was scale. I mean, I didn't fudge anything. <laughs> he had to land that thing at like forty miles an hour, but it worked. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then later I built a, a pusher powered one uh, with electric. Uh, when we started to switch over to electric, I still have it, and uh, it's all scratch built out of foam. It was CNC wire cut and then shaped, and it's it's a pretty thing. But and then I built a little rocket powered one that's free flight, and uh, that wasn't so successful. But the the X one itself survived. Uh, it's it's always been something I wanted to do, and that was to drop a uh, an X X one and and other ones too. The X two A. There's a lot of rocket powered X planes that we had that would be really fun to actually fly. Now, of course, Frank Burke, um, he's done several. Uh, X-15s that are rocket powered. They take off on a rail launcher and they go up to altitude and then when the burn stops, then he RCs it back down. That Those are a lot of fun. But it hasn't been done with an X-1 and I would love to do that, but I haven't done it yet. All right, I'm challenging challenging you. I know it's another thing to add to your plenty yeah. <laughs> lists already, but yeah. I, you know, I think I'd like to see what you come up with, especially looking at all the, the stuff you've built so far. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, you said you knew Chuck Yeager. Did you ever get to share your X1 models with him? No, I talked to him about it because, you know, how I met him was in a parking lot and it was at, uh, there was a reunion for a uh, dinner event at uh, the, I think it was the Marriott by LAX. I was there for another event and I was just going out to my car to get stuff and I look over and I see this guy walking towards me and he's all stand up straight trucking along like a you know and i went oh my god that's chuck yeager and it's like i don't bother i don't bother celebrities i just don't i mean i've worked in the business so long and at that point i was a lot younger but i it's just we didn't do it you know we worked with them we worked with them but you know this this wasn't harrison ford i would have let him (laughs) buy you know brad Pitt. (laughs) yeah i'm gonna bother the guy but chuck yeager and you're a wingnut. I mean, you're you're an aviator. You 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 eat, live, breathe, and sleep the darn stuff. And there he is. There's nobody else around. What do you do? <laughs> you kill it to go by, huh? <laughs> no, no. And I told him exactly that when I stopped him. And he he uh, he he immediately crouched over like some old man. And said, "Who you want, son?" And I said, "General, sir, I know who you are. And 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 I'm a I'm a." aviation crazy oh hell you got me you know and it went from there <laughs> we just started talking That's about awesome. airplanes and you know and he was talking all about world war ii he didn't really care about talking about the x1 but i did bring it up and he said well you know that was just my job and it was a great thing but you know what i really want to talk to you about is world war ii you interested in world war ii and i said yes i really want to talk so. about shooting nazis <laughs> yeah and all that so we, we did a lot of talking about that but then i told him about the x1 and he thought that was neat. And he told me his his, his kids were uh, into flying radio controlled airplanes. And oh. uh, so we talked for quite a long time. And then I was back down the parking lot and we saw each other again. We talked some more. And it was just really one of the, these kinds of things have happened to me all through my career, you know, uh, where I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And uh, I mean, for for. Christ's sakes, I, I did Andy Warhol's life mask. I mean, just the most, you know, amazing. I've been very fortunate. I'll just make it short. So, Wow. So when does your book come out? 
yeah. <laughs> I was thinking uh, the same thing. There's this guy uh, that I've helped with books. He's interviewed me for other books that wants to write my life story. Uh, he's in, I think he's in, no, he's in Spain. And, uh, but his books come out in English. And so he's supposed to do my book. We'll see. I mean, I've got so many pictures and I, I said, you have to go through them. This is your baby. I'm still working, so I don't have time to do a book. You know? <laughs> yeah, your then, book has to have a lot of pictures in it. Yeah, well, I took a lot of pictures. I shot a lot of slides. Uh, fortunately, I shot a lot of slides, and so I have all the slides still. Uh, but there's a lot of model airplane slides in there, too. So, you know, he'll be, uh, he'll be less interested in that. But You got any pictures of the uh, refit Enterprise on motion picture? Uh, we weren't allowed to take pictures. Oh, oh. Yeah, okay. no, we weren't. And I did, I did sneak some pictures of the ear molds, uh, the molds of the sculptures they did for Spock's ears, because uh, Fred Phillips, we had such a tight schedule. Uh, he would send me home on the weekend with homework, and I would run foam rubber there and make up as many pairs of ears as I could and bring them back <laughs> on Monday. So I took pictures of those in there. It's kind of my that's well, not my only proof. There's other proof, but you know, oh, uh, we weren't allowed, we weren't allowed to take pictures that much. The same thing on Ghostbusters. Most of the pictures that are out there and in the books and, and in the special features and stuff were taken by, uh, uh, the staff or crew photographers. I snuck some though. Hmm. So were the Spock ears single use? Yes. Oh, interesting. Wow. They still, they still are. They're done with silicone now, as opposed to foam latex, um, there's advantages to it. For instance, the the molds are made out of silicone too now. So we we used to have to we did plasters type molds, and they had to be in three sections. And there was always a seam line that ran down the middle of the ear. And even if you watch the old TV show and some of the movies, if you're watching on high def and you're up close, you can see the seam line running up the ear. You mm. might have seen it You're before, the only but... person in the world who notices that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's there. I mean, we, we burned it, it out. It still showed that showed more in the TV show than it did in the movies. But, uh, but we were able to, because silicone's flexible, we were flexible. We were able to do uh, one piece molds uh, on the sculpture. And it would just, you put the silicone in it, push it back onto the ear form, which is out of resin. And the stuff would gel up and you open it up, you pull it out. You got a nice ear with a nice blender edge on it. And uh, it's a lot easier to do. So, nice. so yeah. did those just get tossed in the trash when they pulled them off? Uh, smart people, uh, put them in a baggie and took them home. And then later on, all these years later, if they had kept them in a plastic bag and out of the sunlight and stuff, they were still there. I wouldn't say they were usable, but they were there and you could see them and they sold for thousands of dollars on eBay. I wasn't, I wasn't one of those smart people (laughs) because, you know, I just didn't think about one way or the other. I, 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 I was, I was thinking about other things. So girls and the next sports car and and until i just until i discovered the model airplane uh and that wasn't until about 1985 where i got into it uh everything changed then because then it was um you know what can i build and do next and that just became an obsession Hmm. a little while ago you mentioned glow ducted fans were an interest of yours so a friend of ours, his father was uh, on the leading edge of that, Larry Wolf. Did you oh, yeah. interact oh, with him? Sure. No, I, okay. you know, I think I talked to him a few times. I met him at some of the shows and stuff, but I know who Larry Wolf is. Absolutely. 
Okay. Yeah, his son is still big into it, uh, Chris Wolf, and we interact with him wow. quite a bit. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, well, you know, it's amazing. I've been with the whole evolution of that. I mean, flying Byrons and, and yellow aircraft kits and uh, uh, Bob Violet stuff and everything and, and just watching that. And then one day I said to myself, why couldn't we power the same unit with electric engine? Everyone would say, oh, no, not of torque, none of this, none of that. Batteries would be too big, blah, 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 blah. And then one day, as you all know, Kyoto came out with the T-33. <laughs> there it was. So I immediately got one and uh, put that big, what was it, seven cell battery in it and and the nib and and got someone to hand launch it for me and they dorked it into the ground the first time. But it was hardy, so it survived. I just hand launched it myself because you know I had to do it real flat, not pitch it up, just flat. Let it get on the step, pick up some speed, and it, it flew okay. And and from there it went, as you all know. And then we got the Wemotech units and more powerful brushed motors. And then we went to brushless. Uh, and we had uh, the Wemotechs, which this sounded awful because they just had that whine to them, like the, the gas ones. Uh, yeah. Now now we've got highly efficient brushless motors and 12-bladed fans. And, I mean, they sound like quieter turbines. It's quite amazing. I mean, my F-16... When it's in flight, it sounds like a quiet turbine. Uh, the only sound from the motor at all I hear is the whine, which sounds like the turbine. The rest of it's air. It's just coming yeah. out the tailpipe, and it just sounds like what it's supposed to sound like. And the efficiency of it is just, I mean, when I flew that E-Flight F-16 the first time, my jaw dropped. I said, well, this thing's way too fast for me right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I throttled back to about half throttle and was so shocked at how well it flew at slow speeds. And... Now I'm used to it, and I make the low passes at 150 or whatever it does, and uh, it's wonderful. I mean, what a what an evolution, and it's so cool to have been, you know, with it all this way. The same way I've been with the evolution of the PC and the personal computer. It's just amazing to watch what's happened. I have to jump in and let Steve know that he has participated in the drinking game. <laughs> Adam, oh, Adam's gonna have to, yeah adam's gonna have to take a drink uh, <laughs> uh, just so you know steve uh both uh, terry and i have kyosha t33s oh do you yeah i have two mine's still new in box yeah wow i wish i had one still i mean it, it's it's just you know it's just one of those things that uh it, it was it was the beginning of it all and then electric yep. jet factory happened oh and, yeah i remember him and he yeah. did a lot of cool stuff i bought a lot of his stuff and uh flying styro did a did their little f-16 and and that was great i flew that uh, yeah, i had one of those yeah then the hobby people came out with that uh the f-86 and uh right. it, I, I had them all I, I was there the whole time uh, you know uh, by the time we got to the arf f-18 i forget who made that kit uh, uh, was it wood? Yeah, it was wood. Yeah, Blue I think Angels, that's the, Blue Angels. I think it's HET made that. That's what it was. Yes, and yeah. Yeah, I put a Wemotech fan in that. I put some fixed gear on it, and that thing flew great for what it was. I during the early what was it, 2003 or so, I scratch built and released as kits three EDFs, and the one that well both both of them were successful. The MEP 1101. And the TA-183 Huckybin, 
uh, were both the one the Huck band was for uh, ninety millimeter, and Ooh. the other yeah the uh, the eleven oh one was for sixty eight millimeter. They were uh, fiberglass fuses. I did the plugs. I made the molds. Wow. I produced. I did all of that, and and uh, then EMA bought the molds and stuff from me, and they put the kits out for a long time. Uh, and they were very successfully flown and really good flyers. I was very proud of doing that. Um, I, I didn't continue on with it because it was just so much work, but not very much money. And then yeah. another, movie, another movie had come along, and I'd make a gob of money. I thought, I don't need that. I just want <laughs> to build them for myself. So that's kind of what I did. A small F-104 for a 50-millimeter fan that was also composite. And that flew really well, too. Wait, so. 50 millimeter 104 yeah that didn't have wings that's stabilizers at that point yeah it flew it made it, did. it, it, it flew well it wow. uh, i did a foam version first and then once i saw that that worked i went to a composite uh and the molds are still out there uh, uh ema hmm. got the guy dave roberts he's he's selling the molds and uh for the the huck I think it is. No. Oh, that's yeah. e- EAM. EAM, yeah. Yes, oh. I know him. I used to go to his place all the time when yeah. I lived up in the Dallas area. I'm the one that got his F-15 flying. Really? On, on oh, twin, wow. On twin uh, Wemotech. So. so I've done a lot of stuff in the background people weren't aware of. A lot of people knew about it from uh, RC groups. Um, but now I just kind of want to build for myself and fly for myself. I don't really want to make kits anymore. or do any kind of development stuff. I just, yeah, it's, you know, and now I'm going, I'm, I'm studying like a madman for my PPL. And Mary's also decided she's going to get one case. I croak. She can take over, <laughs> <laughs> but she loves flying and aviation. So, you know, uh, oh, so that, how that, far along are you on that? Well, I've got, uh, I got quite a lot of hours on 2020, you know, uh, flight sim 2020, but I have it set up realistic. I, I talked to uh, ATC. I have rudder pedals. I have all the, the actual stuff. So I've got a lot of experience in there. Um, but uh, basically, I haven't taken the test. I just, before I take the, the written test, the oral test, I just want to make sure I have it all down like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. I, don't even, I don't want to hesitate at a single question. And that's really not so much. You know, I know you could pass at like 75%. You can miss a lot of the stuff. I don't want to be one of those guys. I think it's important to um, really know it. Not so you can just get that license real quick and get up in the sky. I, I want to know what I'm doing. I mean, I thoroughly want to know what I'm doing. And uh, I'm going to make, yeah. it's gonna make it a lot easier on the CFI. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You know, you're up there, you know, with your life in your hands. So it's really good to know the material and not just. Yeah. Yeah, studies a test. Yeah, yeah, because I I flew gliders, sailplanes for a while, so I had to go through that as well to get my yeah. ticket. No, it's it's wonderful. You know, driving in the LA today, I, I was uh, I'm so used to being in the sim, and the sim's so realistic now. Mm. I mean, I use VR glasses, so I'm in the cockpit. I am in that plane, but as I'm driving. You know, down the freeway, I had to keep myself from trying to drive down the middle of the lanes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to taxiing and landing on the lines, you know. And yeah. then I was saying that Mary, it was so chaotic and people are almost killing us every so many miles. I said, Jesus, where the hell is the ATC, you know? It's just, right. it is so dangerous driving into L.A. and back. And uh, it is every time we go, clearly 
flying is a safer way to go. And not only that, you're up above it all. You're away from all that pushing and shoving. If you tell, if you're tailgating in an airplane, uh, then you're doing the wrong thing, and that's not going to happen. Right. Not unless you're in a combat situation. Then that, that's not going <laughs> to happen either. <laughs> Don't know if I had a lot. Uh, <laughs> Questions about your enterprise, maybe, <laughs> but that may be <laughs> off topic. <laughs> well, I could this put is, two is... EDF units on it, and it might. <laughs> well, no, Fitz, Fitz used to say, this is my my show, too. I get to ask some questions, and I'm going to talk about the enterprise, questions. damn it. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I have the um, the big 1350 scale enterprise I'm actually working on. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a you know, it's even... It's not as big a beast as yours, but it's still a pretty significant model. I got some aftermarket parts. It's the, I'm making uh, the second pilot version. Okay. Uh, so it's got a different bridge. And I got some 3D printed parts and stuff on that. But one of the things that always gets people is the color. Uh, did you do a lot of research for the, the paint colors you used? Or you no, just... I did, no, I just asked Gary Kerr what it was. And, and uh, I somebody showed me some paint chips from the actual model but basically what it boiled down to to match that color exactly i used two bottles of light ghost gray testers acrylic to one bottle of testers acrylic flat white and it's it's within 98 percent. wow that's good oh well, that's good except for one thing i think they stopped making those colors didn't they I don't know. I still have a lot of it left, but did uh, they stop making it? I think Tester uh, stopped making those, yes. But still, a light ghost gray. I mean, somebody must make a light ghost gray. Well, yeah, I could probably simulate it with uh, Tamiya's or something. So two to one, Tester's light yeah. ghost gray and white. Huh? Yeah, didn't, didn't Rust-Oleum take them over or something like that? It, they did. They bought them out, but I think they, they discontinued a bunch of the lines. I think they just have the basic colors. Like, I think they got rid yeah. of the Model Masters line and the acrylic line, if I remember correctly. Oh, boy. Well, you can use enamels, too. Just wear a mask. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've been experimenting with um, some lacquers. There's a company, just a couple different companies that sell a lot for modelers, lacquers. And they have a lot of different colors and stuff. And so I've been... They dry fast. <laughs> yeah, they dry fast and really easy to airbrush. Yeah. Yeah, I airbrush just about everything. But yeah, that's what the color is. And the color is very accurate. And of course, now that it's been sitting around for 12 years, it's even more so. I mean, it just there's a lot of just over time weathering on it. But none of the electronics ever stopped working. I mean, after I had done uh, model airplane kits and glass work for that and also submarine kits I put out for a while. I made a bunch of different subs. We did. Um, yeah, but, you know, I said, you know, I, I always wanted that big Enterprise model and the 1350 wasn't, wasn't scheduled to come out. No one even knew that they were even thinking of doing that. Um, uh. And uh, so I wanted it, that model and there was, uh, oh God, what was his name? Jim... Was it the Bauer? Huh? The Bauer? No, 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 no. Oh. I know, I, I know him. In his work, he's great. Uh, oh God, what was his name? Uh, it was Master, not Master Replica. It was Master Replica. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And they had one, uh, a sixty-six inch long, uh, so it's half scale to the original. And I wanted one, and he stopped making them. So I said, oh, great. Uh, you know, finally I can buy one of these things and build it. So I said, screw it. I'm just going to make my own. And that's what I did. And, <laughs> uh, and Gary Kerr, 
was very helpful with plans uh, off the original ones for the Smithsonian. Uh, Doug Drexler was very helpful. Uh, Michael Kuda was helpful. Oh, uh, man, so he has big names. <laughs> so I had, yeah, they're all friends of mine. So, I mean, it's like, so I had this, you know, wealth. In fact, I was going through pretty hard times uh, money-wise uh, when I was doing that project. And I, I got... So the whole point of having all the masters done for the 66-inch Enterprise, and I had them all stuck together. And Doug Drexler used to come over all the time and watch me working on it. And one day he came over and he says, this is getting some dust on it. What's going on? And I said, eh, I got to spend a few thousand bucks just to get this thing in the molds. And I, they were kind of tight right now because my wife was starting to have medical issues, and uh, which eventually led to cancer. But that's another story. Uh, and he just said, well, how much is it going to take to, to get this all going? So I told him, and he just took out his checkbook and wrote me a check. Oh, wow. So it wasn't for Doug Drexler and those guys and their input. It never would have got done. That's so awesome. That's I, one of the, he's one I'm of the sorry. biggest names. Doug is one of the yeah. biggest names in Star Trek, and I, you know, I've known him for years. So Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to tell people, yeah, they, those were big names in Star Trek. Uh, and uh, I had a chance to meet uh, Andy Probert once. Oh, yeah. I know Andy. Yeah. yeah, he was a cool guy to talk to. I really, uh, yeah. he was one of my heroes or all the stuff he designed. Yeah. Yeah, I know Andy very well. So, so do you still need to do anything with submarines? Well, I sold them all. Oh. It, and, and except for three of them. And, uh, I got it. They're, they're worth, they're worth more money than any other, <laughs> you know, model in our, in our sea hobbies. They they are they're 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 just amazing the amount of money you can get for them. So I had a very large sixty six inch uh, Nautilus. Um, I had a skipjack. I had a, a large Gato class. I had a uh, I had a what was it eighty something inch Type Seven German U boat. Wow! I had, I had quite a few, and I I sold them and my Sea View. I sold that. I just um, because there's really no place to run them anymore. Uh, except if I take a three-hour drive and three hours back again, it, it's just well, really, I'm surprised. It's, a, it's a pain in the butt, and so I sold them all. And I took the money, and what did I put them into? Airplanes. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Like, well, I approved that message. I, I use those a lot more. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, with a good use. <laughs> so, but I kept. I, I I did buy a kit of a smaller Type Seven U-boat because it's always been one of my favorite. Uh, and I also built uh, a Type 23, and these are oh. submarines I can pick up in both hands and put in the back of the car or the motorhome. Uh, and, yeah, I, I have and a I, Type 7 that I converted from the plastic model that Ravel made. I did that, but this one's bigger. This is 148 right. scale, so it's 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 it, it just it's beautiful and it's my baby. And it's got lights, and you know it's it's great. I'm not going to sell that, and and uh, but I also have the. The Nautilus from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, a real Disney movie, and uh, <laughs> not this stuff they do now. Um, and and I, because I, I, I love that ship, but you know, I needed something that would fit underneath the television set on the mantle, not something I needed two guys to lift and a forklift. So, um, and it it's very runs very well. It's not it's not anywhere near as big. It's quite small. It's like. 38 inches or something like that, but boy, does it perform and the lights all work and you can see it in the water and it, it's, it's great, but you know, it's a rare occasion for me to get anywhere besides a swimming pool and swimming pools are boring to run subs in. 
I don't like the chlorine anyway, so it blocks oh. the signal. You end up with the damn thing at the bottom not answering to control. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to a clear lake with clear conditions with a bunch of other people around. That's a lot of fun, but I don't get to do it much anymore. Oh, well, so is your yeah. book still available? Yeah, it's it's on. Um, uh, you can download it for free on the subcommittee Facebook page. Okay, I'll have to do that because I just moved to a, a place that's on a lake that's pretty clear and has some structure cool. underneath. So uh, Lucky the you. first thing, yeah, so I think a sub would be fun to have. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're really fascinating things. And on a, my dad used to work at submarines because uh, besides being an artist, he also was an engineer and he uh, worked on Mare Island. He worked on submarines, worked on the Skipjack, USS Washington and stuff like that. So uh, I always had this fascination you know uh, seeing you know 20,000 leagues in the sea growing up with with uh, voice about the sea and all that stuff I always wanted a model radio control sub and, and so they're, they're really a lot of fun they're just they're really an exercise in patience and uh, keeping the water out you know it can be done, and you know yeah. my subs don't leak, but you know occasionally they do because the seal starts to fail or a line develops a hole in it. And um, so they're, they're they're pretty cool though. They really are. The other thing I do is slot cars, and uh, I've been doing that since my my dad and I got into it. You know, back in the '60s, and I race with a club, and the cars today look like the real thing. You can force perspective, take a photograph of one looking like it's on the street. No one will know that it's not a real uh, 917 Porsche. They're, they're wow. that well made and they're just engineered so well. We have a lot of fun with that. What I was going to say, 132nd and 124th. Hmm. Um, the one thing I keep forgetting to mention is, is, is my website. I have several, but the one that that is the most concurrent and has the most uh, postings on it. There's a blog part of it, and I post weekly projects I'm working on, and there's a, a archive of them. There's pictures of my work. Uh, there's a store there for the masks that I still make and sell from uh, films I've worked on and other Star Trek and things like that. Um, and um, that that website, if you type into Google the art of Steve Neal, you'll get the site. I believe it's it's Steve Neal's art blog. That's it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yes. it's really not a blog. It's a it's a website, but yeah, that's what the. Yeah, we'll be sure to post uh, links to your yeah your various websites when we go live. Yeah, there's uh, SNG Arrow, which is the uh, rocketry site, um, and there's Steve Neal's Garage, which is an old website which I haven't kept up, but uh, and then the Facebook page, you know. And my YouTube channel. I mean, doesn't everybody have one? I mean, <laughs> yeah, we'll get it right now. There's some good stuff. You got, uh, I guess, a recreation of the Cyclops from, was it one of the Harryhausen movies? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to mold that this week, probably Friday. And then I'm starting The Thing from the original thing. I worked oh, on wow. the, I worked on the remake uh, with John Carpenter. That was great. I love that film, but I, my favorite still. Oh, man. That was one of the most awesome, scary movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You worked on the... The uh, other thing, the prequel, of the, the, thing? The, the the John Carpenter thing. Yeah, I worked that, on it. That's the, the 1980 one. 
Yeah, that was the original. Yeah. No, that's a no remake. The original was like in the fifties, wasn't it? Yeah, no, uh, it was. And oh, there's three. There have been three though, so I guess this he was the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good one. That's what they say about Ghostbusters too. Did you work on which one? Did you work on? Is it the first one? Oh, the good one. Yeah, the good one. one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see pictures too of your Liscum. That's uh, looks like it's coming along pretty well. Yeah, it is. You know, it, it's it's it. I found odd things about the kit. Like, uh, if you look through those, you'll see pictures I took of. Uh, I think it's what was it F seven and F six, or maybe it was F eight and F seven. They're a match, former wise. I never did find the okay. match to the right former, and so oh no, it was eight. Yeah, matched seven and the, the the eight is a small one way in the back by the tail and so somehow when they got laser cut the opposite to seven or six former six got marked eight. Oh, oh. yeah somebody's an editor and then and then in in on the wing plan uh one wing panel was an eighth the root section was an eighth of an inch smaller than the wing plan for the other panel, which actually matched the parts in the laser cut ribs. <sighs> okay, and then. Luckily, when I ran into that problem and I was building the, the, the panel that was short by an eighth, I didn't know the other one didn't match either, or matched. And I built that one and I said, well, you know, I'm just going to make the leading edge and trailing edge match the ribs because the ribs are all the same. So it's going to be the same thing to the other panel. I don't want to cut the ribs short to match their plan. That'd be stupid. And when I went to do the, the next panel, everything fit right. And I went, oh, <laughs> you know. So there's just funny stuff like that. And just, you know, people screw up, you know, and it's, it's it happens. It happens. I'm not going to get mad at them about it. You know, I mean, you know, God uh, knows how many times I've screwed up. Uh, so, so I'm looking further, and I see a zero. Tell me about the zero. Oh, yeah, that's next <laughs> right now. That's a tiny, that's a tiny little thing, and um, you know, I'm slowly but surely finishing that. It, it's kind of for indoor, but I'm, uh, you know, if it's not windy, if it's not windy, I'll fly outdoors. I, I'm a big fan of Japanese aircraft. That's why Lee's laughing. Well, me too. I would really like to have, you know, a fifth or sixth scale zero for my field, and um, but there really aren't any wood kits out there there's not any wood arfs uh all that's available is foam i don't even know if there's a composite kit uh, it's surprising because out of all the warbirds i've flown the zeros that i've had in the past they all flew so well it yeah. really did you know this thing is a bad flying zero no no there's not so mm. interested in the royal zero i have a royal kit well, <laughs> that is a huge pile of lumber. I don't know if I'm up to it anymore. I, yeah, that's, you know, that's a block of wood that says "shaped like airplane." I know. Well, I, I built them. I built a few Royal Kits in my time, and uh, you know, so <laughs> their B twenty five that was interesting, and uh, <laughs> their oh, Mustang, the Mustang I built, and that was interesting, and so I, I'm enjoying this Model Tech all prefabbed. Uh, uncovered uh balsa arf it's really quite yeah i have a a p51 like that that was a neat concept where they had she's almost ready to cover aircraft but yeah i guess they just weren't that popular do you have a trim scheme in mind for it yet 
uh, Tuskegee. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I just those 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 guys just amaze me. I mean, everybody who fought in World War II and flew those planes amazed me, but the Tuskegee Airmen, most of all, uh, just uh, was incredible, incredible thing that they did. And um, I wish the heck they'd make a good movie of it. They didn't really have it. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed in that last movie that they made. Well, the HBO well. one with uh, Lawrence in it, that was okay, you know? And Yeah, uh, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad at all, and uh, I'm looking forward to Devotion. Um, oh, yeah, I saw the trailer for that. That does look yeah, really good. Yeah, well, the work in it, because I've done a lot of CGI for film and, and television, and uh, so I'm really, really snotty about bad CGI, and there's so much of it, and that's because the public doesn't know better, and the, and the studios are cashing in on it, but when I looked at the trailer, I said, no, this is really good work, because I know they're not flying uh, FU Corsairs, you know, they, they, they look really good to me. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I sure was hoping it has a good story and not, not ham fisted. Yeah, I know. They, they tend to do that, but we'll, let's just keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing about the story, the real story, some time ago on uh, one of the documentaries or something. It's really, it's it's both encouraging and tragic at the same time, you know. Yeah, it is. And, and it, it, well, there is a book, I believe. There's, it's based uh, on this, it's, yeah. So that would be the thing to read. So, because uh, probably the book will be the most honest about all that history yeah. and what happened. So, I'd like to track it down and find yeah. it myself. Who knows the book? I may look it up too. That's what I heard. I don't don't quote me on it. So, but um, yeah. So that that's the scheme I'm going to do. I just love the red tail. I just I love the history. Uh, these guys were just amazing pilots. I had a chance to meet one a few years ago. I uh, don't know if he's still alive, but he was. He showed up to an RC flying event. Somebody invited him, and uh, he lived here in in Houston. And so he, I talked to him a little bit. He had some interesting stories about how uh, he, he got into big trouble because he flew over his girlfriend's house at low altitude. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, he, I mean, buzz, he buzzed Penny Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. yeah well you know daughter. you know he had some pride going there you know he yeah, wanted yeah. want to show what he's got i mean you, you know if you've ever if you ever been around a full-scale mustang for any period of time i mean really spent some time with the plane walked around and looked at it and, you know got up and looked at the cockpit and stuff you know these guys were just in their their twenties. Some of them nineteen, eighteen. Yeah, they were kids. Old, yeah, and they're throwing them in this huge hunk of metal. That personally, if I had to fly one, I probably I might be able to do it, but I'd be scared to death. You know, and so what they did was just so brave and so amazing. And and, and you know, at the time they may not have thought of that, but it, it, but it was. I'm sure. Uh, upon their reflection, thinking back, it was just a, an amazing thing to do. So, yeah, yeah, some of the things that they didn't have all the high technology we had today no. to do that no. stuff. Uh -uh. I, I read a book, it was from a British Spitfire pilot, 
And basically, he was saying that some of the stuff he had to do, he's amazed he lived. And this wasn't combat. This was just flying around England and in the fog and, and at night and no navigation. And oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. You don't, have a G, you don't have a GI 1000 sitting there you know, showing you what's going on below you, above you, and all around yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> no. little red line that shows you where you should be going, you know? So if you get lost, just follow the red line, you know? It'll take you right to your flight plan location. So destination for arrival so yeah it's really different today but i tell you when i'm flying in sim i like taking up the older planes without all that just because it's so challenging to fly vfr and to uh fly by landmarks and dead reckoning and you just knowing because when you file the flight plan you knew that your heading was 259 and you stay on that heading and eventually you're going to see that beacon and hey there's the airport i'm going to land at and it, it really does work except when you get in fog <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you're just like okay what do i do fly below it fly above it what am i going to run into it uh yeah those were scary times oh wow so you guys got any questions you guys been kind of uh, quiet uh nope um i think i've answered had all of my questions answered and uh, i think we've taken up a lot of steve's time so we should probably let him get back to making stuff yeah go finish those planes and well, <laughs> everything I'm gonna, else i'm gonna feed my dogs and i have to go up for another flight in the simulator uh practicing more coordinated turns uh, i'm getting so i can do it second nature now i don't really have to look at the uh at the at the bank bank indicator anymore and mm. Watch that horrible little ball wiggling back and forth. So <laughs> you, you want to get to that point, you know. It's like you don't want to be looking down at at, at the instrument panel all the time when you you should be watching for things that are coming at you. <laughs> oh yeah, I got that beat <laughs> you know? out of me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you find fixed points on the horizon and you use those, and you kind of you suddenly you get the feel of the plane. Uh, you know, in first y'all, I mean, it's just how many RC pilots never use their rudders? A lot. You know, I know. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's why when they can't go straight down the runway as a tail dragger. Uh, but just in making turns and trying to stay as our eyes don't, are not as good as they used to be, uh, just being able to keep the plane close enough to see it well as you get older uh, requires using rudder and aileron coupled together to make nice tight turns and staying close to the runway so before that for that flight aluminum mustang disappears in the haze out yeah landing in crosswinds and that kind of stuff yeah well yeah well i've learned how to slip and I, you know i love it's wonderful you know if the best way to learn how to slip is just practice flat turns opposite aileron to rudder opposite aileron to rudder just oh, you know yeah. then you get used to it because when you go as good as you get after flying all these years and you're coming at yourself you don't have to turn your back on the plane anymore and look over your shoulder you naturally push the yoke the right way and uh but when you're doing a slip and when you're doing uh cross controls you can screw up doing that if you're not used to it so it may still help for people learning that turn your back on the plane, look over your shoulder, orient the radio to the plane. So it helps a lot. Yeah, that's a trick uh, you teach to, uh, like, uh, beginner pilots. 
when they sort of yeah. get confused. Yeah. Especially full size pilots who want to get into RC and they're they're very hard to train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ego is a bit hard to overcome sometimes. Yeah, give me that toy. I can fly this thing. <laughs> oh, huh, okay. You're good with that instruments, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, uh, we'll, we'll let you go. I just want to thank okay. you so much for joining us. It's well, been thank an honor. you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate that. I think uh, we're going to have to start a GoFundMe to ship Fitz out there to you because I think... <laughs> He's, he wants to see more and ask you more questions. Well, and you, you guys are welcome anytime to come to the studio. Uh, we have visitors all the time. It's been more lately and more and more. Because I get older, it's like, are oh, you still alive? Are you still doing this stuff? Oh, my God, we got to go see him before he dies. So, well, yeah. It's okay to charge people to visit you. I mean, Fitz will like, um, you know, he'll just hand over the money. <laughs> so just bring me a kit. Bring me a plane. I'll be happy. Oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deal. <laughs> the ultimate currency. <laughs> yeah, you bet. They sure are. Uh, yeah, so. you're a man for my own heart. I, I, as a, like I said, I'm a plastic, big plastic model builder when I'm not doing RC airplanes. And so, okay. Um, well, somebody gave me the uh, EVA pod from 2001, and that's oh. be my next build. Oh. Uh, but, but everybody, <laughs> Stop keeps, it, you're ruining things. <laughs> everybody's trying to get away from me, including Adam Savage, the uh, the, the space station I built from 2001, and I built uh, a very large version of that. A scratch build, yeah. It was Adam oh, wow. Savage had me build it for the museum, uh, uh, modern art in San Francisco. They had an exhibit and they paid me for it and everything. And they said, Well, we can't keep it anymore. The exhibit's over. You want it back? Uh-huh. I said, uh, uh, okay, and they brought it back to me <laughs> without a scratch wow. on it. So, wow, do you have so the shovel too for it? Uh, I have a little one, yeah, that a friend of mine made that's going into the hangar bay. I have uh, Moon Watcher because I recreated him and recreated it for Adam Savage. I also have the Star Child, which I also recreated, and Adam had to get one. And um, and I've got a few things from 2001. Plus my friend Gary Lockwood, who I don't see anymore since his wife made him move to Delaware. He used to come <laughs> over and hang out in the studio all the time and tell me great stories about Kubrick and stuff. I've had him on my podcast. <laughs> Did you have a, a model, you have a model of the long ship, the... Um... Uh, I yes, the name of it. The Discovery. I do. Discovery. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I built. I built the uh, the Mobius one. So. Yeah, I have their uh, Moon Bus. One of these days, I'll put together. But uh, that was kind of neat. They're coming out with a bigger one, I think. So. Oh, oh really? I don't want to wait on that. I know they're coming out with a big Orion. So. Oh really? That should be out pretty soon. Yeah. That that that. See those plastic model kits. I'll get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have my interest. My, I owe my my whole life and career to Stanley Kubrick in two thousand one. So, uh, so did he explain the ending to you then? <laughs> no, the ending was simple. I mean, I, I, no, you didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to explain it to Fitz then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, speaking of endings, uh, we'll we'll let you go. So, thanks so All much, right, Steve. It was uh, great shooting the breeze with you. It's always great to talk with fellow modelers and aviators, especially because, uh, you know, let's face it, all brothers under the wing. We love air, we love flight. It's so important to us. It's so amazing. And it just ma- makes our lives so rich. Yeah. It really yeah. does. I couldn't think of life without it. I don't no, know what I do it myself. No, I'd want to die, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's got a fatalistic. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say when. 
<laughs> well, it's never gonna it's never gonna happen, so it's easy to say. That's true. Yeah. You, you you know they'll 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 put me in my grave with my hands clutching one of my planes, so it's it's fine. <laughs> All right, well, there you have it. Steve Neal, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Well, you guys may have noticed that Steve talked about a theory that my interpretation was the more model airplane kits that you have in your stash, the longer you're going to live. Did you guys get that same interpretation? No, I think he just said, I can't die. I got too much stuff on my plate. <laughs> so, so does it mean I'll live to like the year 2525 or something? At least. Yeah. So <laughs> that's least. my plan. Yeah. I've canceled my health insurance and all that. I'm just buying more model airplane kits. Talk and, about compound interest. Just put a penny in the bank and I'll be rich. And then, yep. Anyways. That's how it works. So in the interest of living longer, I uh, picked up some more airplanes and airplane accessories today. Oh, did you? I did. Mr. Hill? Uh, airplane? accessories um <laughs> but lee is at fault for this because Uh-oh. you guys know that i haunt the facebook marketplace ads and every now and then uh rc groups and very very rare occasions like craigslist or something like that but um lee's weakness are the estate auctions yeah i'm an instigator i got I got Fitz involved and now he's an addict and now I've, I've introduced it to Terry and he bought stuff. So no, I, I could quit anytime I want. Yeah. <laughs> just remember, this just means you'll live longer. <laughs> I didn't tell that to my wife. Per Steve. Right. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, Lee pointed me to this auction that's in Wisconsin. And originally we thought it was closer than it really was, but that is neither here nor there. Um, but also originally they were saying there was no shipping on anything. I'm yeah. like, hmm, that's pretty cool because that sounds like it's locals only, and that really cuts down the the bidding wars. Yeah, it's in the middle oh, of right. nowhere, so we're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then uh, further into the auction, they actually did open up shipping on some reasonable things. But it closed, what was it, two nights ago, Lee? Monday, yeah. And uh, you and I both had bids, and you and I coordinated to make sure we weren't bidding against each other on things. You remember, um, Fitz, when you and I had that big auction, and you and we were calling, we were talking to each other on the phone Some the jerk time. keeps upbidding me. <laughs> exactly. So it was the same thing with Terry. We were just both looking. Oh, my God, I got that one. Oh, okay, are you bidding on that one? All right, I'll, I'll bid a little bit more. Um, but we won some things. And I'm going to tell you, I think we got some pretty good bargains here. Um, uh, why don't you start with yours, since you're probably in front of your face, and then I'll... Talk, talk on mine afterwards. Okay, do, you have yeah, this, I, do you have the stuff already? Yeah, I went and picked it up today. Ah. Um, so I've got my stuff and Lee's stuff, and we'll do a reverse like we did this year where you guys brought me the uh, flat printer. I'll bring you guys some model airplane parts when Lee comes for Oshkosh next year, right? Now you can't change your mind. That's correct. And I'll be dragging Fitz with me. I'll stuff yep. him in the trailer. <laughs> 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 the no frill seats, huh? I'll, right. I'll, create, I'll, I'll put a window in for you. 
<laughs> you can stick your hand outside. People go, what the hell's in that trailer? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll quickly go through the list of things that I purchased. One was a box of wheels, right? No big deal. Just a box of model airplane wheels. I think I paid a dollar for it. Uh, I was the only bidder and I only had to make one bid. Um, but the neat thing about it is it's got a bunch of unused Trexler wheels on it. And those things are oh. really pricey. And the the big ones too. Yeah. yeah. So it, it had a set of uh, Dubro pneumatic cub wheels and then these Trexlers and some other stuff. But I mean, just the Trexlers for a dollar was a great deal. So I got that. And then I got a whole bunch of sheet foam. There was a random stash of Depron in a box. Oh, um, and different thicknesses, different sizes. Um, so I picked that up and the, like, I don't know, 20 sheets of foam, pretty good condition and usable. Um, I won't go through all the prices, but let's just say that we got good deals on everything. And the foam was probably advantageous for us because I don't even know if they were offering shipping for it, but to ship that big stuff like that would have been cumbersome and you would end up paying dimensional weight, which would have been a lot. So I got that and got another box of foam that I think is Depron, black Depron, but I'm not exactly sure. It's in a box from Grayson Hobby. And so sheet foam a while back. I don't know, but whatever it is, I got a bunch of it. It'll be great for building airplanes. And hopefully... It'll be great for using in the flat printer that you guys brought for me as soon as I get it set up. So there's that, and then that, and then what else did I get? Oh, uh, what's it called? A jet jammer? I forget what it was called, but basically probably something that came from Toys R Us. It's a foam jet looking thing that's powered by pressurized water. Hmm. So it's got like a, like a 20-ounce soda bottle in it in a way to pump it up to put pressure in it apparently it propels it like a rocket and then it is free flight glider after that yeah I had a rocket like that when i was a kid okay yeah so same idea RC. yeah just like yeah. A, a rocket assist glider i don't know um but that was new in box and so i'm not sure what i'm going to do with it i'll probably rc it somehow but i don't know if i'm going to keep the rocket propulsion in it but uh, i got that for a song and then a couple of very interesting things. One is an auto gyro. And I will say the price I got that for, it was a dollar. Uh-huh. And it looks like these things are still available through yeah. iCare, which is a hobby shop uh, in Canada, I believe. Oh, yeah. I know them. It's not a rainbow, is it? It is a rainbow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I got a rainbow for a dollar. Cool. That's a song, right? Yeah. Um, it. I presume it's been crashed because the rotor head has a crack in it. Whatever the rotor's attached to is cracked, but it looks like there's a spare in there. Mm. And um, so it just needs a motor and battery. It appears to all be there. The The rotors are there. They've been covered with iron-on film, and the tail surfaces are covered. Um, once again, I was the only bidder, and my first bid was taken. So a dollar, yeah. Real happy with that. I've never had an auto gyro before. I've always wanted one. And so it'll be a fun, cheap introduction to that for me. Yeah. Yeah. The rainbows actually fly pretty decent. Okay, good. Yeah. So if, have you flown one before? Yeah, I have one. Oh, no kidding. All right. Yeah. Then I'll be bugging you for details. Yeah. And it, uh, now mine, I think, came with a three and four bladed head. Did that have a... 
I think mine, the one that's on it now is three. Okay. And I think the spare is also a three. I've only got okay. three blades, so. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that offline. Okay, and this one has a rudder outfitted with it. Apparently, not all of them have rudders. Uh, oh, wait, no. I'm, maybe I'm imagining things. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty I'm sure mine had a working things. rudder. Yeah, I guess it has to, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a couple things to note, so I'll, I'll talk to you about that later. You don't okay. have any issues. Sure. All right, another thing, and... Oh, I guess three more airplanes to talk about, so I'll try to be quick. One is a Balsa Park Flyer that's, uh, I don't know, 46, 47-inch wingspan. It's nicely built, has transparent covering that looks good. The fuselage is kind of boppy. I'm usually pretty good at identifying these things. I don't know what this one is, so maybe I'll post an image and somebody else will know what it is. And now that I have it in hand, it looks like that it maybe used to be a half-A-powered thing. Because uh, it looks like there's a compartment for a fuel tank that has been fuel-proofed and a fuel-proof firewall. Oh. Um, but I got it um, with a receiver, like basically bind and fly. Had a Spectrum receiver in it, even had a battery in it, and a couple Futaba servos. Um, it's, yeah, I, I think I'll just have to figure out the right balance point for it and send it up. It's a neat-looking airplane. So there's that, and then a much bigger airplane that we could just call an ARF. It's a fully built and covered airframe. I don't know if it's ever been flown. It's been around for a while because um, it has an aileron servo in it, and it's an older configuration with a single servo in the middle that drives torque rods for the ailerons, and it's got a big, bulky Futaba servo with a J-style connector. And when did those go away? J, 80s. Yeah. Mid-80s-ish? Yeah, so I, it's at least that old. I don't know, but it, things in super good condition, and it's covered with fabric and dope, and it looks real neat. And the covering is somewhat translucent, so you can see the ribs, and it's got some nice stripes on it. Um, it anyway, it looks like it's in great shape. It was originally built for a gas or glow engine because there's a cylinder cut out in the cowling, which is a balsa cowling. Um yeah, it's uh, prime for an electric conversion. And this is a big airplane. It's uh, over 80-inch wingspan. And I want to say it's a four-star 120, just because the outline looks like that. But it's not a dead ringer. So either he made some cosmetic modifications to it when he built it, or it's something that's similar to a four-star 120. Um, I just Maybe I'll post a picture of that and somebody can identify it definitively. But I'm thinking about uh, converting it to electric and putting it up just because. So there's that. I've talked about three airplanes so far. There's the Rainbow, the Park Flyer, the Four Star 120. And then the last one is a very interesting plane called Hawkeye. There's more? How many did you yeah, get? This is, this is the last one. <laughs> uh, it's called the Hawkeye. And it was developed by a person in Yornick, um Where does he live? Maybe Kingsland, Texas? He, I have seen him at best before. Uh, his name is Joel Schultz. Really nice looking planes. Um, I remember him as an excellent builder. But apparently uh, earlier in the century, he designed and was marketing this airplane, which is a flying kite. And he marketed it as an aerial photography platform. It's a two-channel ship, so it only has throttle, which controls uh, 
I guess, pitch and altitude and uh, rudder. And you could also outfit it with kind of a homemade gimbal with a shutter release for putting digital cameras on. Um, I had seen it before. I was vaguely aware of it. So I, again, I got it for a ridiculous price. I went and picked it up today and thank goodness they didn't realize that you could break it down into a much smaller package. Like you, because it's a kite that has the carbon fiber tubes as spars, they just pop out of the joiners and it basically folds up. So they didn't offer it as a shippable item, although it would have been easy to ship. When I got there, it was fully assembled. And this thing is big, I, like surprisingly big. I, I don't know what the wingspan is, but it's just huge. 93. And so I, what is it? 93. 93 inch wingspan? Wow. Okay. I would believe it. And you know, it's a diamond shape, so it's just a huge wing area. And, uh, like everything else, it's got a motor and it's got servos that had a Futaba, a 2.4 gigahertz receiver in it. So it's essentially ready to go. Um, and just a super neat airplane. That's the kind of stuff that I really follow. So I'm excited about all You're this welcome. stuff. Yes. I, thank you. Cause Lee. I saw that and that's why I called Terry. Yeah, this looks like you. Yeah, thank you for now, doing that. Now tell him, tell Fitz what I expect you to do with this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the lake that I live on, Lee has already decided that this thing flies so well that I need to put floats on it and fly it off the lake, which is not a horrible <laughs> idea. Or a boat, or a boat. Make it, you know, or have a little, you know, inflatable boat at the bottom or something like that. Real like. Uh, uh, like a PT riders like that. <laughs> no, PT one oh nine. I've seen I've sort of airplanes like that that have boat holes in the bottom and the hang glider type wings. And this would be similar to that. So all right, I'm gonna look into that and see. But first I'm gonna fly tricycle landing gear now. I'm gonna fly it off of that and get the hang of it and learn about it. And I found a thread on RC groups about it. And interestingly enough, in that, I discovered that my buddy Thayer has one or had one. So I'll bug him about his experience with it. And uh, yeah, I am super excited about this stuff. So Lee, thank you. I can't decide if I'm going to continue being interested in auctions. A, because I've got too much stuff. B, it was stressful when you're watching all these auctions end and then sometimes you get up bid and then it puts more time on the auction and who, I don't know. <laughs> Can't handle all the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember I'm not a gambling man and it felt like I was gambling. Fitz and I were so. bidding on that Futaba transmitter that was used in back to the future. And man, uh -huh. we kept pushing up the bids and, and Fitz would go, should we put more? I said, like, yeah, go ahead and do a dollar more. So I think <laughs> I was the bad influence. I, I kept pushing Fitz over <laughs> and over. And we finally got to the point of what are we doing? <laughs> this, is, <Yeah. laughs> this is outrageous. You know? And then you're not, you're, you're so focused on the amount you're bidding. You forget that there is a bidders, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a premium premium thank you and yeah. luckily for this auction it was low it was only 10 percent with cash wow that's so, really low yeah exactly yeah. so the fact that terry was able to go out there and get it saved us a lot of money but man i've been on some and i've talked to you guys in the past that i i think i bid on something that had an 18 percent uh, buyer's premium and that's just way too high not yeah, to I've... mention 30 or 40 shipping on top of that yeah yeah i've seen that too and i was like you look at the premium it's like yow Never yeah. mind. Terry, how many items did you acquire? Um, so there was the four airplanes, vehicles, um, 
two different lots of foam and the um what was uh, the wheels so what is it seven different items oh and then the jet thing so eight the water jet yeah so this is where um, (laughs) is it my turn is it my turn terry yes go ahead so I find that very interesting because of the 18 items I had bid on, I only won five, and yet I paid a dollar more total than, than Terry did. Uh, so you got to can't really compare that. I don't know, yeah, but well. when I when I share with Ter- with Fitz what I got, he's going to go really. <laughs> it's like you got that, but no, you I'll, got some neat stuff. I will save the best for last, but th- these are the ones that Fitz is going to go really. Why in the heck were you buying this? So. Uh, I did bid on several things. I'm looking at the items right now. So first, I tried to grab uh, an iron and a hot air gun for Austin. And my bid was, you know, like $12. So I got outbid there. So I passed. And there were a couple of items that I was like, okay, under $10 I'd buy. So I lost those. Uh, but something, <laughs> I don't know why I kept pushing it. But I did bid a lot for these uh, this whole pile of shrink tubing and uh, some rubber lines, like tubing, like surgical tubing wondering if this guy had used it for a tow line so i put a bit on that and i got this uh, tubing i mean shrink tubing can get kind of costly and i know i need to start giving some to austin i don't want him to hoard all mine so uh, it's always good to start thinking about that and finding out what i need to divvy up with austin once he heads out you know and lives his life <laughs> so, so i had i still have stuff but this is the one i think fitz will enjoy there was this pile of glue. And at first, I didn't think much about it. I was like, okay, it's it says glue, tape, soldering iron, stuff like that. And I'm looking, it's like, okay, no big deal. So that was the first day. The second day, I realized there were two tubes of Ambroid glue in this collection. Oh, score. And, and I was like, I've got to get this. So... One of the one of my good deals was I got this whole pile of CA, which I'm going to let Terry have most of it since I won't see that for a while. But I got it for five bucks. <laughs> so nostalgia wins. I, I'm looking forward to sniffing that joy of building balsa <laughs> machines when I was in in the 70s. So I'm going to use up all the fumes before they. Yeah. I mean, they're all going to be rolled up into little tiny piles when, when I get it finally. <laughs> right. uh, I was bidding on some chargers, but I think Terry happily talked me out of it going, you know, those are really old, but I was going to grab a charger for uh, for Ryan, excuse me. So I passed on that. And then there was this big pile of alligator wires and clips. And uh, for some reason, I just, it got my attention. So I went ahead and bid on it. I got it for six bucks. And I told Terry, I said, look, just go through it, see if there's anything you want. But I'm hoping to find some like Dean's connectors or some pretty good, you know, connectors that, again, I can hand off to Austin for him to make his charging connectors. And as Terry mentioned, he bought some foam. Well, I got my hands on, I think this was a really good deal. Uh, I think Terry will agree, but this guy had five packages of five millimeter cell foam 88 and two packages of three millimeter. And those are usually about... 11 to 12 dollars a package so for when you can find it it's been discontinued it's discontinued so it's, yeah so yeah. i got it for 37 dollars plus two packages of fanfold foam one is blue and one is red uh pink excuse me yeah so that's sure. something that terry can hopefully play with and on his uh, cnc cutter see if he can get some machines out of that and i'll pick up the rest from him at adventure but here you go fitz the piece de resistance you ready Go. No, I sent you a photo of it, but I did end up winning the Cox Free Flight Flying Saucer. 
Oh, you did? Okay. Oh, nice. So, Terry says it looks pretty good. Doesn't look like it's been flown. So, oh, cool. Um, yeah, after we talked, I I uh, opened the box a little further. It looks like it's still attached to the inner thing. So I don't think it's ever seen oh, wow. the light of day. New in the box. Yep. Were you so, there, Lee, when they were flying it at small steps? Somebody had one? No, I saw the helicopter. Uh, you had a helicopter too, right? Yeah. But no, I didn't see that. Oh, maybe you weren't there. Uh, one year I was there, somebody had one of those things, and it was it was fun to watch because every once in a while you'd have a bad launch, and it would think it would just wobble all over the place and just go in a random direction or just fall out of the air. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attach chains to the side and let it just whip out. <laughs> the decapitation device. Ooh, maybe put some LEDs on it and fly it at night. Ooh, that would be neat, yeah. So I just thought that'd be fun, and and hopefully it'll uh, it'll get down here safely, and you and I can uh, fly it over at Scoby. Oh yeah. Okay, so you're planning to fly this thing, despite it being new in box. You know, we've had this conversation. We have. Okay, I'm just checking. PT19 comes in. I'll be putting those decals on. Yeah, I don't think that hasn't arrived yet. It has not. All right. I don't think those UFOs are worth uh, especially much on the market. Okay. So big deal. That I know of, unless they are. I'll poke uh, around as long as you video it, it's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as long as yeah. it puts a smile on my face or gets us views. <laughs> right? <laughs> Holy moly, I just saw one on eBay. Yowzers. <laughs> well, that price went for, up. How much was it for on there? 150 Oh, wow. But any is anyone bidding on it? No in a box. The... No, there's, there's nobody bidding on that one. Yeah, so maybe he's got a, it's an outlier. Yeah. So some people yeah. put their dream prices on there to start with. Yeah, yeah and I I just pulled up the UF uh, the UFO <clears throat> you have. So this is a newer version. This one's a uh, not so round at the top. It's like more. It's like inverted. It's like more round at the bottom <laughs> than it is the top. The top's flat, but it is a cox. It's kind of like the PT nineteen. It's a, a more uh, recent version. Yeah. But, hey, it is what it is, and you know I blame you for getting me back into it. So now that I've got this <laughs> brand new bottle of Bits Fuel. <laughs> there you go. That was our our estate sale purchase. But yeah. unlike Terry, I'll keep looking, and I'm sure I'll talk him into something else. <laughs> um, you might. Because, you know, at the end, despite all the stress Monday night, at the end of the day, we got pretty good bargains on stuff that just can't be found anywhere. So it's hard to complain about that. Yeah, I would have gotten deals on those Great Plain Sanders had they showed up. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. stay tuned for an announcement about that. That's all I can say right now. All righty. Well, that's all we had, Fitz. And, you know, you and I need to start getting our stuff together for uh, Bomber, which will be over by the time this comes out. So hopefully we had a great time. And I won the biggest prize, you know, with a 25, a B-17. Yeah, <laughs> hey, they're having that giant pizza, too, right? Yeah, I was going to say, and hope we don't Ooh. overdose on pizza. That was great pizza, wasn't it, Terry? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that one billionth of a slice I had was just great. <laughs> but right. you didn't get much pizza, even though it was ginormous? No, it's so big that a slice is like a millimeter uh, wide and 10 feet long. Uh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Bomber Field this weekend, and as we say that, today is Wednesday, September 14th. Yeah, so so 16th what, what does 17th. that make the event? It's 16th okay. and 17th. 
Well, it's also the weekend of the Neat Fair. Yeah. And um, my buddies are showing up there. Yeah. And uh, so I think some people are already there for that. And uh, they'll be showing up again. And that lasts through Sunday. So I'm sure they'll all be having a grand old time with their hijinks. And, uh, well, you can go out and fly an electric plane in spirit. Yep. I was thinking about flying my W-29 and to celebrate that. There you go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you guys have uh, fun playing with your toy airplanes this weekend. I will endeavor to do the same. I still need to maiden that uh, Sonic Liner. Or, yeah, the Multiplex Sonic Liner. It's ready. Video. Yep. <laughs> Video or didn't happen. Yep. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. We've had a great show. Steve was a wonderful and... Looking forward to our next. Actually, uh, hopefully Fitz and I will have a recording up and running from Bomber. So stay tuned for that on our social media channels. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we do something there. Maybe it's a live show or something. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's viral uh, already. Uh, uh, <laughs> no problem. All right. Well, there you have it. Not much I can say other than thanks everybody for listening. And uh, until next time, we will see you later. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts, where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.